Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Amen. Well, it's always an honor to speak. PG uh, contacted me last Monday um, and said, what is burning in your heart? And so there's only one vision in this house. We all have to grab a hold of that vision and run with it. But each of the leaders, specifically the elders, have a sub-vision. What I mean by sub-vision is what, can, what has God done in our lives? What is the gifting and anointing that we have in our lives to help make this vision that God has given PG and our family and RCC a reality? And so when he, when he said that, I, when he asked me, what is it that's burning, then I already knew that I had to speak on a message on the spirit and the word. I kind of started diving into that a little bit when we were um, getting involved with uh, RCCA, which we're so excited about. Um, so next Sunday night at 6 p.m., come on out and support those graduates that are going to be graduating and getting ordained. And that is an apostolic work. It really is. So my text is Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, 29. In the King James Version, it says, And Jesus said unto them, You do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. So there's two reasons Jesus said people fall into error. Either they don't know the scriptures or they don't know the power. Now, I was born in the church. I was raised in the church. I got saved in the Assemblies of God Church, which is the largest Pentecostal denomination uh, my mother comes from a very uh, traditional, strict Pentecostal background. And so we got to see a lot growing up uh, that me and my, bro- my younger brother would uh, just have plenty of material to make fun of, you know. Uh, <laughs> back then, being baptized in the spirit meant dancing uncontrollably or just being slain or just making funny gyrations and, and all funny sa- Oh, Christian in Carolina. Oh, man, it's good to have you guys back. I missed you guys. And so, um, sorry, it's my heart there. And so, um, so all of that stuff, a lot of people leave that experience and they have disdain for that experience. And that's not what we need to do. We need to appreciate the moves of the past. We need to appreciate what God has done in the past. Oh, that's just emotionalism. There's nothing wrong with emotions if it's sanctified by God. And so I don't want us to not appreciate what God has done. But what happens is, is that a lot of the reasons why people fell into error is because they were just focused on that and had no understanding of the scriptures. And then you have a whole other part of the church. It's called the evangelical community. And all they do is focus on scripture. And of course, what could be wrong with focusing on scripture? But they're void of the power of God. They're void of the powering change of God. They're void of the move and sensitivity of the spirit. So you have one side of the church that dries up because of religion, and the other side that blows up, borderlining on cultic activity. But Jesus said, you err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. And this is like a marriage. If you go into a marriage thinking, hey, it's got to be 50-50, your marriage is on the rocks, and you need to make an appointment with PL or PK, because it ain't going to work. It can't be 50-50. It's got to be 100-100. We need to know God in his scriptures, and we need to know God in his power. Amen? Amen. And so I want to just give you some backup here. What I'm talking about, Jesus said in John 4.24 that God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
And if you don't know what truth is, truth is the Bible. Truth is scriptures. Jesus said in John 17, 17, he prayed, sanctify them with thy truth for thy word is truth. So if we're going to worship him in spirit and in truth, then we need both. It's not one or the other. We can gravitate towards one, but we need both. Otherwise, we're going to fall in error. And I, I don't consider myself a historian, but I'm a student and love church history, specifically the last hundred years or so. And when I began to study the moves of the spirit, beginning with the Pentecostal movement, which started in Los Angeles, a one-eyed black guy named William Daddy Seymour, such a powerful move that touched the entire world. And yet that move was derailed because they allowed anyone to come up on the pulpit, even if they were warlocks and wow. witches. Because why? Because they didn't know the scriptures. And we don't want to be derailed if we don't know the scriptures. Okay? Matthew 25, 3 is, I love that beautiful parable. They that were foolish, talk about the foolish and the wise virgins. It says, they that were foolish took lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with the lamps. That is a perfect picture of the word in the spirit. Perfect picture. Notice they both had lamps. So I want you to understand that lamps represents the word of God. It says in Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. So they both had the word, but only one of them came with the power, the anointing of the spirit. You know how we always say, well, the oil represents the anointing, right? Okay, do you know why we say that? You need to, you need to know. It's not just because PG says it. Or, or I say it, or, or Minnie Betty Hen over here, PL says it. Okay? 1 Samuel 16, 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. It's from that text that we know that oil is a symbolic representation of the power of the anointing. So we need to know him in scriptures and in power. If not... You're going to have theologians that say all kinds of crazy things. Why? Because they don't know the power. Or you have people that all focus on the power and do all kinds of crazy things. They don't know the scriptures. And I've, seen, I've been around long enough to see them both. Okay? But I don't want to despise it. Okay? Because it really isn't their fault. It's the church's fault because we haven't been matured by the fivefold ministry. But that's another sermon. So let's talk about knowing God in scriptures and let's talk about knowing God in his power. I want to break that down for you. First of all, to know God in Scripture is not just to study a book. It's not just studying a book. It includes that. That's part of it. But it's not just studying a book. Why? Because it says in Revelation 19, 13, that he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. If you want to know his Scriptures, you have got to know the author of the Word. You can memorize, and I've, I've been around theologians that have memorized scriptures back and front, but they live like devils because they don't know the author of the word. And you need to know that this is a living manuscript. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You jump down to the 14th verse, and it says, and that word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's living. Hebrews says the word of God is living and it's powerful. It's not just an ancient e Eastern manuscript. And it's that, but it's so much more. It's alive. It's alive. 
So the reason why that's important, now, when I talk about the word, I want you to understand that I'm talking about the whole word. Because we have two, I grew up in churches where all they want to do is focus on the, New, on the New Testament. And I have a secret for you. I want you to pay attention to this. Whenever they talk about the word of God in the book of Acts, they're talking about the Old Testament. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. So when Paul tells Timothy, study to show thyself approved, he's not talking about Philippians or Thessalonians. He hadn't written it yet. He's talking about Genesis through Malachi. Well, let's see what Jesus said about it. He says in John 5.39, he's rebuking in the new NLT, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. What scriptures? The Old Testament. So it's the whole Bible, not just the parts that you like. Okay? Look at this. In, on the road to Emmaus, in Luke 24, 27, in the King James, it says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The things concerning himself. And so someone asked me recently, hey, what are you guys planning on teaching on next year? I said, well, there's several things, but I know one of the things that's, that's been on my heart is the book of Leviticus. Yeah. And I haven't gotten so many people jumping up and down about it. <laughs> but Jesus said that this is speaking about himself. So when that class is offered, I want you all there if you want to know Jesus in the scriptures. Oh, but I want to know about Matthew, Mark. Okay, we'll get to that. But he said that this points to himself. And I don't want to, I just, I don't want to, just a, a small picture of him, a part of him. I want all of him. So how do we know the word? Okay? There's three things that I want to tell you about knowing the word. Number one, personal study. And that goes beyond reading. Right? I already quoted it. Study to show yourself approved unto God. We're not trying to impress each other. Okay? Unto God. And workmen need not be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth, which means you can wrongfully divide the word of truth. Okay, I promise you, if God speaks something to PK, he's probably told someone else on the planet the same thing. Okay, because he's because you can always identify a cult because it's just one person hearing God. So not just personal studies, but group studies, and that's why this church has Bible studies. This church has connect groups for you to come out and get plugged in. And in those connect groups, you can share what God has been doing in your life, like Alejandra did, right? And then you can have other people feed and other people bring insight. Let's, talk, let's look at that in the Word. In Luke 24, 15, this is the road to Emmaus. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. When did Jesus draw near? When they conversed and reasoned. And that's what we do in our connect groups. That's what we do with the Bible studies. If you want to grow, you need to do personal studies, but you need to get plugged in. It's not just personal studies, but it includes that. But it's also being connected in groups. And look at the result. In verse 32, it says, And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Oh, Lord, let our hearts burn for your word. Open the scriptures to us, Lord God. Let us burn, Lord God, with desire to get to know you in your word, O oh Lord. Yes, I want to, if you, you got the video queued up. Now, this is, 
This is less than a minute. It's like 45, 50 seconds. It's not a good quality video. I just want to, before you play it, just hold on, but just have it cued. So in China, it's illegal to be a Christian. You don't have the freedoms that you have here. In fact, you don't have the freedoms that you have here anywhere. And I know, I've been to several different countries. I've been to South Africa, my, my fatherland, the Dominican Republic. You don't have freedom. You don't. You don't have that freedom. So over there, it's illegal to be a Christian. So people have risked their lives to smuggle one Bible for a community, and they tear pages out the Bible, and they share a page, and they memorize it. But I want you to check this video again. Apologize. I looked all, I tried scouring the Internet for something clearer. But look what happens when someone was able, risking their lives to smuggle in a suitcase full of Bibles. <laughs> When I look at that video and I see where some of our teachers have studied and poured their hearts into classes and then none of you show up and I see that, we need to burn for God. We need to know God in the scriptures. We need to know him in his power. People have died so that you can have the Bible that you have in your hands. Blood has been shed. Not just the blood of the man, but the blood of his saints. So that you can know him in the scriptures. So let that, I hope that video just does something to you because it did something for me. It gave me a holy appreciation for his word. And I said, God, I want to burn for your word. Open the scriptures, God, and help me understand more of you. Personal studies, group studies, and meditation. There's not one that's more important than the other, but if you're, if you're missing one, then you need to focus on what you're missing on. But it, I've gotten a lot of personal uh, insight into the word with my personal studies. I've gotten plenty of insight through group studies, and I've also gotten plenty of insight through meditation. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Notice this doesn't say depart from your eyes. It's not talking about reading. Depart from your mouth, memorizing the word, declaring the word. This law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it once a week. Every Sunday afternoon after PG preaches. Day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It's all about intimacy with God. We've got to know him in his scriptures, and we've got to know him in his power. But the number one, and now I'm speaking from experience here, the number one enemy is not the devil when it comes to you knowing the scriptures. The number one enemy is the traditions that you bring with you. 
Jesus said in Mark 7.13 in the NIV, thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions. We bring our, this is how I was raised, or this is my church experience, this is how we did things in the church I came from, and that's good. I'm sure God blessed those things, okay? But that's, it may not be how we do things here, and you need to be okay with that. Because that, those traditions may block you from knowing him in his word. Okay? Do you remember when Jesus was 12 years old and Mary and Joseph brought him to Jerusalem for the Passover? And when they left, they realized after about a day's journey, oh, they, 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 they forgot Jesus? Like, where did he go? And so, I love it because it says in Luke 2.44, but they supposed him... But supposing him to have been in a company, they went a day's journey, and then they sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. <laughs> of all the places they could have searched for him when they realized he was lost, the King James says they sought for him among his kinfolk. You ever catch that? Or are you guys reading the Bible too fast that you're missing the weightiness of what he's saying? They searched for God amongst their relatives and their acquaintances. I got family members like that. Listen, I'm a Catholic. My mother's a Catholic. My grandmother's a Catholic. I'm a die-Catholic. I'm a Baptist. My father's a Baptist. My grandfather was a Baptist deacon. I'm a diabaptist. And so we identify and we look for God amongst our family and amongst our friends. I'm going to go to this church because all my friends go there. Now, I have friends that go to this church, but they didn't come here because of me. They were curious that I was here. Okay? But they stayed here because they heard God. They searched for him amongst the kinfolk. And it's interesting because we think that our business is God's business. Because when they finally find Jesus, he makes this statement. Why were you seeking me? Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? So then what were they doing? What are we doing? Jesus isn't lost. The church may be lost, but Jesus isn't lost. And if we're about our father's business, we're going to know exactly where to find him. When we allow traditions to keep us. From hearing and getting to know God through his scriptures. Because my family said this or my friend said, I don't care. I don't care if Harvest said it. The Bible says that the Bereans searched the scriptures to see if everything Paul said was in the word. I had lunch with somebody, actually it was Alejandro's husband, and he was just very delicately saying, Hey, I have some questions for you. Hey, we welcome that. We may not all agree on everything. There's people here that believe differently in things that I believe in, it's okay. On minor things, it's okay. Okay? But we, oh, we welcome that. But we've had people leave here because of tradition. Right. I always want to let you know I'm not going to go there anymore because uh, you guys have, have elders that are women. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. right? So you allow traditions to block you from knowing God. Right. Rather than just meeting with us, hey, let's sit down, let's look at the scriptures. So you can see you're taking that out of context. Because my family's taken that out of context for years. My mother comes from a church where you can't wear makeup. Women couldn't wear makeup or jewelry. Uh, they couldn't wear pants. And they got scriptures to back it up. And I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to put white out of no scriptures, but we're going to talk about those things. We're going to reason together. We're not going to fight and debate. We're going to reason. What does the word say? Okay? So your traditions will nullify, make void the word of God in your life. The number one enemy to you knowing God in scripture is traditions. Knowing the scriptures and now knowing the power of God. Daniel said in Daniel 11.32... But the people that know their God will be strong and do great exploits. That doesn't mean, okay, I'm a born-again Christian, so I'm moving to power. That word know in the Hebrew is yada. 
That's the same word in Genesis where it says Adam knew Eve and she conceived. That's more than a handshake, right? Braulio, is that more than a handshake? You got, you got the fruit to testify. Adam knew Eve and she conceived. The people that yada their God, they will be strong and they're going to move in the power of God. We need to get to know God in his power. Amen? Paul talks about this in Romans 15, 19. Because I grew up in churches where they, they pride themselves that they speak in other tongues. We have the full gospel. Everyone else is substandard. And it's like, let's see how Paul defines full gospel. Romans 15, 19, through mighty signs and wonders and by the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem roundabout unto Lycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. The gospel isn't fully preached if we haven't moved the miracle signs and wonders. Ooh, got quiet in here. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. You know that I'm a word guy, but we need the word and power. Okay? This is something that that is normal for us, right? PG, PK, PL, and, and several others of us. We come from OCC where we, on a weekly basis, saw the moves of God. When I was a kid, there was this healing evangelist. Well, that's kind of oxymoron. A true evangelist moves in healing where he's not an evangelist. But that's another story. But there was this guy from Puerto Rico named Gigi Avila. And he, and actually, he came to OCC one time. You remember when he came to OCC? And I, and I, little, I was a little boy. I was in Yankee Stadium, and I saw people that were at, in wheelchairs get healed and stand up. People that were deaf, ears open, and blind eyes open. Okay? So I saw the power of God. This wasn't something that was unusual for me. I, w I was healed myself. I had something with my hip, and he prayed for me. And I went back to the doctors the following week, and they, they were confused because they said, we thought we, someone had switched your x-rays because this was your x-ray a month ago, and this is your x-ray today. And the doctor said, all I can say, this is a miracle of God. Call your mother to have you come pick you up. So I've experienced the power of God, and we need to get to know him in his power. And while they were praying for me inside, PG quoted this verse here in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit in power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. When we begin to move and get to know God in his power, he's going to bear witness that this is his hand. Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 2, 3, and 4, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness with signs, wonders, and miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. Signs, wonders, and miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's not just tongues. It's tongues. It's interpretation of tongues. It's prophecy. It's faith. It's working the miracles. It gives the healing. Discerning of spirits. Word of knowledge. Word of wisdom. The nine gifts of the spirit. The fivefold. We, have, we believe in Genesis and Revelation. We believe in everything God has for us. We need to get to know God and his power. His power isn't just for PG and the eldership. Okay? When Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared. And for 40 days and 40 nights... He taught a group of 500 people. 
Things pertaining to the kingdom. We don't have any, any writing about what he spoke about other than the title. When he was done, he gave him one homework assignment. He says, you wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power. Wait till you get the power. I know you guys are hungry to do a bunch of things for me, but you need to do it the way I did it. Because I was around for 30 years, and until the Holy Spirit came and baptized me, I didn't perform a single miracle. So you wait till you receive the power. And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And then you shall be witnesses unto me, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. This is something that the early church took heart to, and we need to take heart. We need to know God in his power. In Acts 6, 8, Stephen, who's one of the original deacons in the church, it says, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And this church, as you know, is transitioning from a pastoral ministry. Now, that doesn't mean we're leaving the pastoral ministry, okay? And there's a lot of churches that they'll jump on the prophetic bandwagon and they leave everything else behind. That's not what is happening here. We have established the pastoral ministry. We're establishing the evangelistic, the teaching, and the prophetic. We are transitioning and adding the apostolic as well. It's going to be the whole fivefold. It's not just going to be one. But in that transition, you're going to see apostolic power grow in this house. In Acts 4.33, it says, And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Not with power, but with great power the apostles gave witness. It says in Acts 5.12, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. The result of that is we're going to see an increase in attendance in this house. It says in Acts 5.14, as a result of that, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Not added to the church, added to the Lord. I remember during the scandals of Jim Baker and the scandals of Jimmy Swaggart, when people that we looked up to failed in their moral lives, and people left the church. They did. And I, I was confused by that. I, sure, I was hurt, and I was disappointed. These are people I looked up to. But I didn't get saved by the blood of Jimmy Swaggart. I didn't, it wasn't Father, Son, and Jim Baker. And I love them both, and I honor them both, right? I still read the book of Psalms, despite the fact that David killed someone and had an adulterous affair. Men are going to fail us. Women are going to fail us. But I was saved by the blood of the Lamb. That bloodline is so powerful that the enemy's got to pass over. He can't penetrate. Don't make me preach now. (laughs) not only were they they were added to the Lord we need to add people to the head of the church and not just the church God's going to make you and and, and graft you into the body of Christ but you've got to be connected to the head no matter what happens to the body if you're connected to the head you're going to live if if someone's decapitated outside of a miracle you're going to die Well, I'm leaving that church. So your little pinky over there in the corner. No blood, no oxygen flow. It's going to be blue in about four minutes, and it won't move. Oh, but the church hurt me. Well, stand in line. I've been hurt by the church. You know, I've also been hurt by my older brother. I've also hurt my younger brother. That's what we do in family. 
we beat each other up. But we still love our brothers. Well, I love mine. That's family. Also, as a result of apostolic power, they were all healed. In Acts 5.16, and the multitude gathered from the surrounding cities of Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Not some. All were healed. There is a guy, there was an apostle back in the turn of the century named John G. Lake who was arrested for practicing medicine without a license. You know what he did? He didn't have time because he was, uh, you know, they took too, too, took too long preaching, and he had promised to go to this, do some hospital visitation. And he winds up going to this hospital. This is documented in Spokane, Washington. He went to where the cornerstone of the building was, and he prayed for the power of God to hit. And every single person in the hospital was healed instantaneously. He didn't make the next meeting because he spent several nights in jail. They arrested him for practicing medicine without a license. That's a true story. That's what happens when the apostolic power is released. Now, this power, okay, isn't just so we can have a bunch of super generals walking around saying, I'm the apostle of power. The reason why God gives the power to the apostles is so that they can distribute it to the saints so that you can do the work of the ministry. It says in Acts chapter 8, this beautiful story, one of the deacons, Philip, he goes down to Samaria. He's an evangelist. He's the only one in the Bible that's called an evangelist. And so he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, leads a mass load of people to the Lord. He baptizes them in water. He casts out demons. He heals the sick. He works miracles. And when the church in Jerusalem heard about it, what did they do? Oh, let's rejoice. Okay, no. They sent Peter and John. They had to send apostles down there to establish a spiritual government of God to impart the power. Well, let's read about it. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. So when Simon saw through the laying on of hands of the apostles, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power that on whosoever I lay my hands that he might receive the Holy Ghost. So the point is, is through the hands of the apostles, the Holy Ghost was imparted. The power wasn't just for them. It was for impartation. It was so the saints could move in the power of God as well. We, gone are the days of the Lone Ranger, Lone Ranger ministry. Gone are the days where we idolize just one or two or a group of people. But God is raising up a faceless generation that will move in the power of the Holy Spirit. That will know him in scripture and will know him in power. And it's going to come not when one camp stands up, but when all five camps, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, edify and equip the saints so they can go do the work of the ministry. Now, there's a disclaimer here, because when the power of God falls, unusual things happen, and people get offended. (laughs) We see it in scripture, we see it in history, unusual miracles. There's a show that I love to watch, it's called The Chosen, and when you guys got a chance to watch it. Now, there's a line that Jesus character uses that's not in scripture, but it's beautiful anyway, and it's this phrase, get used to different. Get used to different, okay? 
In Mark 16, 12, it says, after these things, he appeared in another form. And they didn't recognize him. The same Jesus, but he appeared in another form. And so when the prophetic movement began to explode in the 80s, you know who was the most ticked off and upset? Ah, oh, those tongue-talking Pentecostals. And we believe in tongues interpretation, but this dreams and vision stuff, these angel stuff, that's just different. And they were offended. One minister, I remember him saying in a book, uh, God offends the minds to reveal the heart. And when God comes in another form, because it wasn't the form they were used to, we get offended and we leave. But God does unusual miracles. Look at some of the examples here. In Acts 5.15, it says, And so they brought the sick out in the streets and they laid them on the beds and the couches so that the, the shadow of Peter passing might fall upon them. That's strange. I mean, he's not saying rise up in the name of Jesus. He's just walking down the street and it, they just lined him up and his very shadow, people got healed. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of context to that because in the Greek, it's shadow length. Shadow length. I want to challenge you with something here. It says in 1 Peter 1.23 in the King James that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. Now that word seed in the Greek is sperma, where we get the word sperm. So God's incorruptible sperm impregnates our empty soul and we become born again. There is a period of gestation. For some of you, it may take a few months. For some of you, a few decades. But as we grow in God by spending time with him, by coming to church, by fellowshipping, by reading his word, by prayer, by fasting, that baby begins to grow. And eventually, the soul which contained our spirit, now the spirit outgrows the soul. And Paul talks about this in Romans. The things I want to do, I don't want to do. There was a battle between the spirit and soul. Until eventually, the spirit man outgrows the soulish man and we are led of the spirit and not led of the soul and so when it says that by his shadow people were healed it was shadow's length his spirit had outgrown his soul and he was able to beyond his physical touch heal the masses now that may seem a little strange to you but guess what that's bible and you're not going to get that by reading you're going to get that by studying you're going to get that by spending time with him and now, now, if you think that's weird, here's another one. It says in Acts 19, 11, and 12, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and evil spirits went out from them. So imagine, we're up here, and PG does one of his famous altar calls where it's like, there's not an empty, there's a, the hope... Oh, there's, there's no one in their seats. I've never seen a church like that. Even bigger churches. They had such an anointing on someone's life for altar calls like PG. I'm serious. So now all of a sudden we're, we're around him and he starts sweating. And we, we, I'm hungry so I want to go eat. So I can't, I can't wait all afternoon for him to finish praying. So I come over and get some of his sweat. And then all of a sudden there's somebody who's demon possessed. Nobody said, come out in the name of Jesus. 
Amber's like, that's not me. I've been delivered. It was going your direction too, but something repelled. Outside of your shadow. I like that. You're growing, girl. No one said be healed in Jesus' name. There was no laying on of hands. No one even said come out. Or what's the name? What's your name, demon? How many of them are you? You know, how long you been in there? And you have all these conversations. No, just thrown. And they came out an unusual miracle. There are things that may be different. It doesn't mean it's not God. But when you know him in scripture and you know him in power, you will grow. The writer of Hebrews says you will grow in discernment and be able to discern that which is of the soul and that which is of the spirit. There's an old Indian proverb. I don't mean Indian like Native American. I mean like from the country of India. And it was, it's a proverb of, you know how blind people see? With touch. They touch and, and they formulate images in their mind. And in this Indian proverb, it was three blind men that wanted to describe an elephant. So one of them grabs the elephant's leg and says, I can tell you exactly what an elephant looks like. It looks like a big tree trunk. And the other one says, you don't know what you're talking about because he's grabbing onto the tail. An elephant is like a rope. And the other one says, you're both wrong because he's holding onto the ear. It's like a big banana leaf. They were all right, but they were all wrong. They had a fragment. It wasn't until they came together to give a whole picture, to have the whole counsel of God. And we see that in Revelation, John is translated into the third heavens, and he has this unbelievable, incredible vision of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's very detailed in describing the Lord. Now, when he turns around and he gives a message to the seven churches, they have a fragment, but they don't have a whole of that vision. Ephesus had the revelation that he has the seven stars in his hands and he walks among the seven lampstands. Smyrna knew him as the Alpha and the Omega. Pergamus as a two-edged sword. Theatria, his flames, eyes of flames of fire and his feet of bronze. Sardis, kind of like Ephesus, about the revelation of the seven stars in his hand, but also the seven spirits of God. Philadelphia knew him as holy, true, and he had keys in his hands. And Laodicea, that he was the Omega, Faithful, true, and alpha. They each had a fragment. But when these churches came together, and now we're going to have churches that are going to be coming under the covering, and they're going to bring a fragment of their revelation. And it may sound a little different, but when we put that banana leaf and that tree trunk and that rope together, we're going to have a better picture of what God is wanting to do in the earth. We need to know God in the scriptures we need to know him in his power. Hosea said in Hosea 6.3, So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. For his going forth is as certain as the dawn, and he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. And Jesus said, and I've, um, worship team, you can come up. In John 17.3, he says, This is eternal life, that they might know you, the one true God, and the Son whom he sent. That word know is gnosko in the Greek, which is the same word when Mary said to the angel, how can I be pregnant being that I know not a man? The meaning of eternal life is to be intimate with God, to know him. And he wants us to get to know him in scriptures, 
and in the power of God. Can you please stand? If you in your heart have a desire to get to know God further, you're saved, sanctified, maybe even filled with the Holy Spirit, but you want more of God. Maybe you, like I, was convicted when you saw that video of the underground church in China. And maybe we've taken for granted the things that God has so freely given to this nation. But if you have a heart and a desire to get to know God more through scripture and through his power, I want you to come up and we're going to lay hands on you and we're going to pray for you. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.